Welcome to Brad Kyle's Brad's Motor Works podcast. We'll be talking about some things about BMW, some things of cars in general, and some things about car repair. I hope you find it educational, enlightening, and I hope it increases your understanding of your car. And maybe along the way we'll have some fun too. Thank you for listening, and here we go. Episode number 208, the HVAC EVolution. <laughs> I'll explain that. <laughs> uh, basically, this is going to be one about uh, heating and ventilation systems on e- electric vehicles, okay, specifically. So I'm going to be talking, I'm going to be reading from an article in a trade magazine, uh, but the article is called the HVAC, HVAC EVolution. EV as an electric vehicle. Uh, essentially, the, the subtitle is Electric Vehicles Use Efficient Heat Pumps for Climate Control, but Basic Refrigeration Principles Still Apply. So that's what I'm going to be reading from. Um, it's from a, a trade technical magazine, um, and uh, this particular one is called Motor Age. Uh, the article is by uh, Christopher Hawley. Okay. Uh, so I want to give him credit for the article itself. But I thought this one was interesting. It's a little bit um, technical, but it just gives you kind of a basic, um, you know, idea of that. You know, obviously with ele- with electric vehicles, there's no internal combustion engine. So there's no heat source for to make for the heater to work as far as the climate system. And... Um, there are things in the car besides you that need to be heated up and there's other things that obviously need to be cooled down so they've designed a system that uses heat pumps and refrigeration and it's it can get you know a little bit technical but um you know we're going to go through it and um you know it's it's a in it's incidents it's an interesting article so i thought i'd go ahead and uh, put that out there for you for those people that want to kind of have an idea what's going on in their electric vehicle as far as the climate system is concerned. And I mean, basically, we're talking about temperature control, so it's not really just the climate system per se. So anyway, a couple quick commercials. Again, as usual, if you want to get a hold of me via email, it's uh, bkpodcast5 at gmail.com. And also I'm on LinkedIn under Brad's Motorworks as far as my shop is on LinkedIn. So um, so, uh, this one's a little bit long. It's like I say, it's hopefully it doesn't get too technical. Um, you know, it's just, it's a good, uh, a good, um, description of what's going on as far as, you know, the heat systems and heat pumps and stuff like that. So anyway, so here's kind of another little sub, sub, uh, introduction. The heat pump climate control system of an EV is a bit more intricate than that of a typical ICE vehicle, which means internal combustion engine vehicle, but the basic principles of refrigeration still apply. So that's kind of the, you know, beginning of it, Um, and we're going to go from there. So here we go. With the auto industry's rapid movement from internal combustion engines to electrified powertrains, the task of conditioning the vehicle's interior is changing significantly. Auto manufacturers are quickly adapting heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, which means, which is HVAC, equipment to fit electric vehicles' needs, in other words, EVs. For technicians expected to repair EVs, the learning curve is steep. 
However, the situation for current technicians is no different from what previous generations of techs tackled as vehicle technology advanced. The history of HVAC. Over 120 years ago, the automobile was in its infancy. As such, the vehicle's occupant, occupant's heating consisted of coats, blankets, winter caps, face coverage, gloves, and boots for the operator and riders. The occupant's comfort was a minor manufacturer's concern during the open cab, horseless carriage period. In addition to winter clothing, some owners installed brick boxes into their cars to provide a source of heat. In both cases, the occupant's heating relied upon a source other than the vehicle. The method of occupant heating changed as vehicles moved from the open carriage design to enclosed cabins in the early 1910s. First, the enclosed interior provided additional occupant protection from harsh weather and cold temperatures. Then, in the 1920s, closed-body vehicle production surpassed open-body models. At about the same time, the original equipment manufacturers, or what's known as OEMs, developed exhaust heaters to provide vehicle interior heating. The exhaust heaters used an engine exhaust to warm a radiator-like exchange placed under the vehicle floor or at the feet of the riders. By the late 1920s, the OEMs began casting, or fabricating, shielding around the exhaust manifold. Air was channeled with the aid of the engine's radiator fan over the exhaust manifold, and the shielding directed the heated air to the vehicle's interior. The engine proved to be an excellent source of heat, but the use of engine exhaust raised concerns about exhaust emissions entering the car. At the same time, some manufacturers developed gasoline heaters with similar emission concerns, which remained an op option for specific models until the 1960s. It wasn't until 1930 that General Motors produced the modern industry standard heater core. Hot coolant from the engine was plumbed into a heater core, a small radiator, under the dash. A blower motor moved air across the heater core. The heat picked up by the passing air was distributed to various discharge nozzles at the dashboard. As years passed, a maze of ductwork feeding a series of discharge vents was placed in multiple interior locations. As automotive technology advanced, repair technicians had to master new concepts, which included the evolution of coolant from water to mixed, in, mixed blends, pressurized cooling systems, and air conditioning AC operation. Although air conditioning was an option for some automakers starting in the 1930s, it was not until after World War II that manufacturers began standardizing the location of the significant components. All domestic auto manufacturers had similar AC systems, but when the Asian cars hit the U.S. market, there were new systems to learn. As a result of the oil embargo in the 1970s, additional operating methods, such as cycling AC systems, were introduced. The complexity grew with each technological advancement, and with the advent of computer controls, the system's efficiency increased appreciably, but so did the intricacies of repairing the systems. Then, like today, those technicians had to constantly learn emerging technology and apply that newfound knowledge, whether they wanted to or not, if they desired to stay in the automotive industry. So, what is the latest heating and cooling technology that technicians in the EV era must learn? It's the heat pump. The heat pump system encompasses vehicle interior heating with the air conditioning system. 
The first mass-produced heat pump usage was established by Nissan, which installed a heat pump on the LEAF over a decade ago. Before we get in depth about heat pump systems, a few clarifications need to be mentioned. First, some texts suggest that the compressor, small, compressor scroll spins in the normal direction during AC cooling and is rotated in the opposite direction for the heating mode. Thus far, this rider has yet to come across a heat pump system with a compressor that reverses. Second, it is a gross understatement to say a vehicle's heat pump has a solenoid-controlled reverser or slider valve, like a house HVAC design, to allow or redirect the refrigerant flow from the compressor. Yes, the refrigerant in an automotive heat pump system is permitted or blocked from flowing. However, there are multiple solenoids, restrictions, and condensers throughout the design depending upon the application. While the first heat pumps had an acceptable interior warming performance at temperatures slightly below 32 degrees Fahrenheit, with advancing heat harvesting techniques, heat pumps have developed into a more viable low temperature choice for interior heating. Although another heat source may be developed in the future, because of the benefits of the heat pump system, many, but not all, auto manufacturers are adopting them. The two significant advances, excuse me, advantages of a heat pump are its ability to heat and cool the cabin air and provide more heat energy than is required to operate it. The heat delivered versus the input power is known as the coefficient of performance. A positive temperature coefficient or resistive heater will have a COP of nearly 1. Therefore, it cannot deliver more heat energy than the excuse me. Therefore, it cannot deliver more heat than the engine energy supplied. However, the heat pump system can achieve a COP more substantial than one. For example, many manufacturers list a COP of 2.0 to 5.4, which means a heat output of double to over five times the input energy required to operate it. The limiting factor of a heat pump is that the system is most efficient in a narrow temperature band near or just below 32 degrees Fahrenheit, but the efficiency drops as the temperature falls. Therefore, a heat pump cannot provide adequate interior heat and requires a backup heat source, a resistive or PTC heater. As previously discussed, the heater draws more battery energy to supplement the heat pump and maintain interior temperature. Modern cars have never had significant insulation to maintain the interior temperature, thus exacerbating the heating problem. Additionally, each vehicle has a positive airflow ventilation system to provide constant fresh air into the interior to keep the occupants in a pleasant atmosphere with the windows sh shut. So the HVAC system's capacity must be several times larger than required based on air volume. The result is more energy consumed to maintain the interior temperature in, co in colder ambient temperatures, which shortens the distance the EV can travel because it depletes the high voltage battery. Many manufacturers are utilizing efficient seat and steering wheel heaters to combat the loss of cabin, loss of cabin heat. As with gasoline vehicles, the seat and steering wheel heater transfers warmth to the occupant via, via conduction. Heating the person rather than the air can reduce the heat pump or heater usage. However, minimizing cabin air heating can only be expected to work so well in frigid temperatures and there will still be a loss of energy from the battery thermal management system. Currently, BMW, Hyundai, Jaguar, Kia, Mini, Nissan, 
Polestar, Subaru, Tesla, Toyota, Volkswagen, and Volvo offer a heat pump as a standard or an optional component in at least one of their hybrid or electric vehicles. Chevrolet and Ford do not provide heat pumps for EVs. However, all the manufacturers listed have a standard or optional cold weather or comfort package that includes a combination of heated seats, steering wheel, windshield, mirrors, batteries, and PTC or resistive heaters. Cooling mode of the Nissan LEAF. The Nissan LEAF is the least complex system on the list of vehicles. Therefore, we will begin with the examination of its heat pump system. When the cooling mode is selected, the scroll compressor pushes a gas refrigerant through the bulkhead and into the inner condenser housed in the HVAC box. Then the refrigerant flows through the inner condenser and back toward the motor bay. After passing through the bulkhead, the refrigerant flows to the two-way valve. While still in cooling mode, the two-way valve bypasses the heating orifice tube and allows the refrigerant to move to the condenser at the front of the vehicle. After it passes through the front condenser, the refrigerant approaches a second valve called a three-way valve. The valve is constructed to allow refrigerant to pass through the cooling orifice tube, which is a restriction, and move back into the HVAC box as it enters the evaporator. Ultimately, the refrigerant goes from the evaporator to the accumulator and then back to the compressor. The refrigerant exiting the compressor is a hot, high-pressure gas that passes through the inner condenser and to the two-way valve to the front condenser. The refrigerant gives off latent heat at the front condenser and changes from a high-pressure gas to a high-pressure liquid. After the front condenser, the refrigerant goes through the three-way valve and onto the restriction. Across the restriction, the high-pressure liquid pressure becomes the high-pressure liquid pressure becomes a cold, low-pressure liquid that passes through the evaporator. The refrigerant takes on heat and changes into a low-pressure gas. Finally, the gas flows from the evaporator to the accumulator and back to the compressor. Except for the inner condenser and the two- and three-way valves, the HVAC cooling mode is very similar to the operation of a conventional vehicle's HVAC refrigerant loop. The inner condenser takes the place of the traditional heater core, but in cooling mode it does nothing except allow the refrigerant to pass through. In addition to the inner condenser, a positive temperature coefficient heater is housed in the HVAC box. The two-way valve is in bypass mode and the three-way valve permits the movement of refrigerant to the system's restriction when in cooling mode. Heating mode of the Nissan LEAF. Switching from cooling to heating mode requires the activation of the two-way valve to force refrigerant to flow through the heating orifice tube. At the same time, the three-way valve moves to bypass the restriction and evaporator routes the refrigerant directly to the accumulator. When in heat mode, the hot, high-pressure gaseous refrigerant flows from the compressor to the inner condenser, where the refrigerant gives off heat and changes to a hot, high-pressure liquid. The pressure drops across the heating orifice tube and a low-pressure liquid flows to the front condenser. The refrigerant absorbs heat from the ambient at the front condenser, changing from a cold, low-pressure liquid to a cold, low-pressure gas. Lastly, the refrigerant moves through the three-way valve to the accumulator and returns to the compressor. In the heat, mo <coughs> in the heat mode, the evaporator is bypassed. During de-ice mode, the heat pump prevents the icing of the front condenser during preconditioning battery charging. 
the through-a valve routes refrigerant across the coolant orifice tube and through the evaporator, while the two-way valve is opened and bypasses the heating orifice tube. The pressurized refrigerant flows through the system to warm the front condenser to warm it and melt the ice. The Hyundai and Kia heat pump configuration is like the Nissan system. The similarities include a compressor, an inner condenser, an outer condenser, Hyundai and Kia term, an evaporator, an accumulator, and a PTC heater. However, this system has increased heat output and window defrosting. The system has a two-way solenoid valves, three three-way solenoid valves, a thermostatic expansion valve, and a liquid-to-liquid liquid co chiller. Uh, says you can view an illustration GIF of the Hyundai system by scanning the QR code at the end of the article. Well, sorry, we can't do that. Okay, sorry. Alternative designs. When in cooling mode, the compressor pumps the high-pressure gaseous refrigerant through the inner condenser, the two-way solenoid valve number one, in its open position, and through the three-way solenoid valve number one, routing the edge of refrigerant through the outer condenser. The outer condenser gives off heat, and the refrigerant changes from a hot, high-pressure gas to a hot, high-pressure liquid. Next, the refrigerant flows through a three-way solenoid valve number two, across the TXV, and through the evaporator. The TXV, which is a variable restriction, drops the system pressure, and once in the evaporator, the cold liquid refrigerant takes on heat and cools the air flowing over it. Ultimately, the low-pressure gas refrigerant flows through the accumulator and returns to the compressor. In heating mode, the high-pressure gas refrigerant exits the compressor and enters the inner condenser housed to the... I'm sorry, it's housed in the HVAC box is what it's supposed to read. The inner condenser gives off heat to the air passing over it, and the refrigerant changes from a hot, high-pressure gas to a hot, high-pressure liquid. After the refrigerant exits the inner condenser, it passes across the two-way solenoid valve number one that acts as a restriction, dropping the refrigerant pressure and temperature. The low-pressure liquid moves through the three-way solenoid valve number one, which allows the refrigerant to flow through the outer condenser at the front of the vehicle. Unless frost is detected on the condenser, then it will divert the refrigerant around the condenser. In either case, the refrigerant travels through the three-way solenoid valve number two. If the refrigerant moves through the outer condenser, it picks up the heat, and the refrigerant changes, to, changes state to a gas. Conversely, if the refrigerant bypasses the outer condenser, it remains a low-pressure liquid. In either case, the refrigerant is guided through the chiller, which picks up heat, and the remaining low-pressure liquid changes its state to gas. The refrigerant enters the accumulator and subsequently moves back to the compressor. If the defroster is desired, the two-way solenoid valve number two, located between two-way two solenoid valve number one and three-way solenoid valve number one, permits low-pressure, low-temperature liquid refrigerant to flow through the evaporator. The air in the HVAC box is dehumidified before the inner condenser heats the air. The refrigerant from the evaporator returns to the accumulator and back to the compressor. Tesla's Innovation the Nissan, Hyundai, and Kia heat pump systems are similar in, similar in design, with the components located throughout the under air, underhood area and under the dash. However, the Tesla heat pump system is much more compact, allowing a better fit into, right sp into tight spaces under the hood. To achieve compactness, Tesla developed the Super Manifold, a two-layer printed circuit board assembly that houses the refrigeration, refrigeration system on one side while the other side is plumbed for coolant. 
To manage the heating and cooling loops of the Tesla heat pump system, Tesla devised a pair of four-way valves stacked on top of each other and attached them to a coaxial motor. The valve assembly is called the octavalve. Its design allows refrigerant and coolant flow to flow through a series of channels to provide heating or cooling without mixing. With the octavalve system, a ninth pipe configuration works as a bypass in the radiator circuit. The refrigeration loop consists of liquid coolant condenser, a cabin condenser for the heating modes, a chiller, and a cabin evaporator for the cooling modes. There are five coolant loops in the system. In addition to coolant loops for the LCC and chiller, there are loops for the batteries, the power conversion system, the drive unit, and the radiator to provide proper cooling or heating. With the multiple orientation of the octavalve, Tesla has developed a system with 12 heating and 3 cooling modes. While it would be beneficial to investigate all the heat pump systems in greater depth, it is simply impossible to achieve in a few pages. With each passing year, system refinement will continue. Until a specific heat pump design becomes a standard, enjoy the Wild West, and remember, just like the techs of years past, Constantly updating training is necessary to repair the customer's vehicle correctly the first time. So, a lot going on there, folks. Uh, this is just so that to be able to make your EV work properly, okay? Because, again, there's no engine as a heat source as far as the engine coolant is concerned. And the uh, AC, or the compressor, I should say, is being driven electrically from the battery system. So this is why they've really had to come up with a heat pump system that's hopefully a lot more efficient than, uh, you know, what's driven off of the normal ICE engine, internal combustion engine, gasoline power type deal, okay? Because obviously any of this stuff that's from electric is drawing the battery down and, and reducing the total range capability of the car itself, which is one of the things a lot of people are really kind of, let's say, nervous about, okay? So, anyway, this is technology trying to solve the problem, and uh, I realize that if, if you're really interested, my advice would be to, you know, pull up some diagrams. I'm sure you can get some stuff off the internet and kind of go through it that way. It might be easier to understand what's going on if you're so inclined. Then again, you may have just listened to this whole podcast and went, okay, I've heard enough. Anyway... <laughs> I just thought it was interesting. It was certainly some new information for me, so I thought I'd pass it along, and uh, hopefully it's not too long-winded for you. Uh, but I hope you got something out of it. I appreciate you listening. And, uh, again, if you have any uh, questions or you want to email me, you can get me via uh, bkpodcast5 at gmail.com. And, again, on my shop website, or I've got, I'm also on LinkedIn, of course, if you Google Brad's Motor Works, uh, I'm in California, you'll you'll find uh, I've got a couple of websites on there, too, as far as that goes. So appreciate you listening. Appreciate your time. I hope you got something out of it. And again, I hope you have a fantastic day and a great tomorrow. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's been an honor and a privilege to spend time with you. I hope you found this of value. Please share it with family and friends. Above all else, with all you're getting, get understanding. May God bless you and keep you, and thank you again.